I'm Scott Bakken with Dialed Archery, and you're listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast. My name is Mike Anderson, and I am here today with Scott Bakken of Dialed Archery. So if you haven't heard of Dialed, they are a fairly new site company, and they've got some pretty serious innovation going on. It's a, it's a really cool setup they've got going on. So got Scott here who's going to talk all about it and, uh, you know, hopefully give us some hunting stories and just some, you know, some general outdoor banter. So Scott, how you doing today? Very good. Very good. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. Good to hear. So we are sitting right now in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We're at Archery University at Shields. So basically what this is, you know, if you've been listening to a few of these podcasts, we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but it's basically just a training for all of our associates looking at all the newest products. And, you know, one of them is dialed. So, you know, Scott, how's your experience been so far? Uh, fantastic. This is, you know, I, I am a previous Shields employee back long, long time ago, but, uh, I worked at the Eau Claire, uh, shield. So I actually got to attend, you know, the Archer university as an employee, but I mean, this is by far probably one of my favorite, uh, events and probably one I look forward to, um, the most just because it's a great week of interacting, um, with under other vendors, but also all the shields associates and getting to know them, getting to know the leadership leadership team. And it's just, I know it's not relaxing for, you know, the attendees because, I mean, they are getting just a ton of information crammed down their throats, but it's uh, it's just a good chance to get out and, um, you know, kind of what you like share some stories and just talk. Right. And um, so, yeah, I I love this week. It's it's like I said, it's one of the best weeks I look forward to. Mm -hmm. I'll agree with that 100 percent. You know, it's a it's a time where I get to get out of the office. And then I get to go and, you know, meet some vendors, meet some cool people, associates and, you know, spend some time at the range. But yeah, it's, it's hectic to say the least, it's, you know, <laughs> it's crazy. And like I said, I, I attended a couple universities, you know, but I mean, I mean, you're talking, you know, almost 20 years ago. Um, but uh, to see how it's evolved, you know, since then, but I, I don't remember it being as hectic as it is now. And it's, it's like organized chaos, right? Like Shields does a phenomenal job as far as organizing the week, making sure everybody knows where they're going, what time they're supposed to be there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, like every time I leave here, I'm like, I don't know how they do it. And <laughs> I mean, you can see, like, I mean, there's, there's been times in the past where, you know, the, everybody just looks like zombies because they're just worn out. And luckily for us this week, we lucked out with the temperatures um, mm -hmm. being as cool as they have, which definitely helps. You know, in the past when it's in the hundreds and everybody's outside all day, you know, that just takes it out of you. And the last thing you want to do is just hear some some guy talk about archery sites, right, when you just want to go take a nap and chug water. So, um, mm -hmm. no, I mean, like 
we, we lucked out with the weather and it's uh it's awesome to be here especially as a new vendor you know or a new company um, mm-hmm. I and mean, it means a lot to be here and, and be able to have this experience yeah so what's it like being on the being on the opposite side of the spectrum now going from attendee but now you're a vendor talking about your new products um it's definitely I feel like there's a little more pressure um being a vendor you know before like as an attendee you're just you're a sponge you know you're just trying to absorb as much information you can retain as much information you can um because then it's kind of your responsibility to take that information and bring it back to the store and share it with others but especially for me like getting ready for this week like i i understand the importance of this week as far as this is your one chance to get in front of as many shield associates as you can and to capitalize on opportunity and make sure you share as much information as you can, but the right information, you know? So, um, I definitely, like I said, feel a little pressure, like having that responsibility, but, um, it's also like our job, right? That's why we're here. So it's, it's, it, there is a difference. Um, and maybe, you know, it, well, I can easily say, cause back then when I was attendee, I was, I don't know, 18, 19 years old. So I was just a little kid that just didn't take anything seriously. We're now as a somewhat adult, um, you know, like I said, you like taking the week seriously and, um, understanding the opportunity that you have in front of you. And like I said, especially as a new company to have this opportunity, that's not, that doesn't happen a lot with the university, right? Like, um, I've seen more and more new companies, um, show up here every year, which is great. But again, we realize the opportunity, like it is a very, um, it's a huge opportunity. So as a new company, you feel that like, all right, like they invited us here, they're taking a risk having us here. So now we got to perform. And I mean, that's great. Like I, I like pressure and performing under pressure, but it's just making sure you get it done, I guess. So it's, it's definitely a totally different dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe that for sure. And, you know, I mean, as a vendor here, I mean, it's all about generating buzz and getting the getting the associates product knowledge and excitement right. about it. And, you know, I'll agree, you kind of got thrust into the spotlight here, but, yeah. you know, you can, you're taking advantage of it. Definitely. I mean, you have to. And, and, and that's and that's probably the best way to put it, uh, you know, is not only is this your chance to um to inform and teach, but if you don't get them excited about your product, they're not going to get everybody else, you know, back at the store excited. So, you know, you could have the best product in the world, but if you don't know how to get the crowd fired up, you know, and you just kind of have this boring, you know, monotonous kind of presentation, it's, it's, you know, they're not going to be excited about the product, which means, you know, you're not going to capitalize on, the opportunity. So, um, I maybe try to get people a little too hyped up sometimes. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a great opportunity to, to take advantage of. So mm-hmm, for sure. I mean, you might as well go full send when you got the chance. That's kind of my mentality <laughs> is, you know, go big or go home and, you know, hopefully it works out. But, uh, but like I said, I, I love this week and, um, and just getting to meet, you know, the associates, like I, I wish, and it, it is my goal at one point to visit every single store, 
and, you know, spend some time in each store and meet the associates. But, you know, that's, that's, it is realistic, but it's very tough for us right now being new. Um, so to have everybody centrally located, I mean, like I said, Shields does a great job and, you know, that's, that's like the, a big attraction for like a new company. Like when you're looking, who are you going to partner with? Um, you know, what's your business model going to look like? Like for us, um, you know, again, coming from Shields, like I knew like Shields invests a lot in their employees and you see that here. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's like, if you're going to kind of put all your eggs in one basket, you know, that that's an attractive basket, you know, because, you know, being a high end product, those employees, if, if, if you do what you're supposed to do, you know, and getting them hyped up, teaching them about the product, um, they're going to go back and sell the crap out of it. Right. So absolutely. Um, like I said, it's, it's a great week and great, a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, enough about us and university. Let's talk about <laughs> you and dialed now. So you've got a, you got a pretty cool new site mm-hmm. that you brought to market. So why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Yeah. So dialed archery, um, we officially launched on November 15th of last year. Um, so 2022, um, our introductory product was a adjustable bow site called the Arxos and it does, it is packed with innovation, new features, some that have never been done before um, in the archery space. And when we started and we decided, okay, this is the path we're going to take, we we 100% agreed on and and kind of set the tone that we are not going to be just another site company. Like, you know, a site in the end, like they all accomplish the same thing, but, you know, we wanted to build something that was loaded with features that would truly benefit the shooter. Um, so when you look at our site, you do see that there are some stuff that kind of make you like scratch your head and be like, huh, I wonder what they were thinking there. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. If you've never seen it, it, it almost looks a little space age. And that was, we wanted it to look that way. Like we wanted it to be very clean and we really did want to have people kind of look at us and be like, what are these guys on? Like, you know, <laughs> and, and we've gotten that response a lot. And, um, you know, w- w- which we can go over here in a second, like some of our features, it's almost like, um, people think, um, like we're out of our mind for trying that. And the first they'll be like, well, how come if it's so cool, how come nobody else has done it? And we're like, well, that's what we said. Like, that's why we did it. Because when we built the Arxos, that's one of the first things we did is, you know, we analyzed a lot of products that were out there and we asked like, well, why hasn't this been done before? You mm-hmm. know? Like, yeah. One, one thing that really intrigues me on your site and you know, it really gets me like understanding that it's some serious hunters and some serious like Western long range hunters that mm-hmm. design this is, is your whole like angled system. Right. So can you explain like the thought process on how that started and what yeah. it's really all about, what it benefits? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, that's the angled elevation system is probably one of two of our most like recognizable and like proprietary features. Um, and it really stemmed from, uh, kind of like my experience on attending, you know, 3d shoots and even being here at the university. Um, but seeing archers being handicapped by their setups, you know, whether it was a short draw length, light poundage, 
Um, even me personally, like I shoot really, really heavy arrows and I was always handicapped on my maximum range because of it, which that's just, you know, that's kind of physics, right? That's just how it is. But being capable of shooting further and not being able to, that's, that's frustrating, right? And it can sometimes take the fun out of shooting, you know, especially if you're attending some of these, you know, popular archer shoots where they, a lot of those targets are really set out there. Um, but like I said, even being here and seeing people that you know are capable of shooting farther, but they just couldn't because of their setup. So the only way to combat that or correct that is to increase speed or make some adjustments on the you know back end by your face, which aren't ideal because now you're changing a lot of stuff. And when you've been shooting the same way for so long, that's really hard. So we really looked at it. I was like, all right, how can we extend people's range um, in a very um, you know, functional way. And so we started playing with angling the elevation rail, which on every other site out there, the, the elevation rail is perpendicular to the site. So the scope housing moves straight up and down. And again, it was one of those things where we're like, why, why has, why has it always been done that way? You know, and everybody's done it. And you've seen decades, like every new site that came out, perpendicular rail, perpendicular rail, perpendicular rail. So we started playing with, well, what if we put that on an angle? And basically what that rep replicates is if you were to put a scope housing on like a 12 inch bar and the only way to adjust your elevation was to move the bar in and out. So making the scope housing coming closer or further away from your eye, that affects your impact point. So it raises and lowers, lowers it depending on where that position is. So by angling the elevation rail, we're replicating that same movement without having to adjust your sight, you know, closer to the target, closer to your eye. Um, so our elevation rail is on a 20 degree angle. So what happens at, at the very starting position, which would be like your 20 yards, as you rotate the dial to further distances, um, the scope housing is slowly getting closer to your eye without moving anything else. And again, the closer your scope housing is to your eye, the higher you're going to shoot downrange. So we're, like I said, we're essentially, we're a con like the easiest way to put it is we're flattening the trajectory curve, even though we're not because that's going against gravity. But what it looks like on your sight tape is from 20 to 50, your yardage marks will, will get farther apart. Like we're all used to seeing that. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's physics. That's the law of gravity. But then after 50, your yardage marks will actually start getting closer together because that's where the scope housing is starting to get closer to your eye. So we're taking the second half of your yardage tape and we're moving it forward and condensing it. So now we're extending your range without you because eventually you're going to max out. You're going to run into clearance issues, you know, with your rest and your arrow. But we can prolong that. Um by, like I said, taking the second half of that tape and condensing it. So we've seen anywhere um, in testing, and it all depends on your setup, you know, anywhere from 10 to 15 to 20 yards gained just from that elevation rail. That's very cool. So how did you settle on that 20 degree? Did you, did you start somewhere like 45 yeah. and think like, Oh, I can't keep accuracy or can you, can you dive into that a little bit? Yeah. We tried a bunch of different angles. Um, I, I think we originally started with like a 10 degree angle and it didn't make much of a difference or not enough. And then we tried a 35, 40 degree angle 
but with too much angle, you're you're going to see the impact downrange, but then you also start affecting your peep and scope housing alignment back by your face. Um, so it's trying to find that happy medium where we could still get the results that we wanted downrange, um, but not affect anything back, you know, with your anchor point, your peep alignment, um, or anything like that. So it was it was just playing with those angles, and um, and figuring out again which one you know, what, what degree angle can we get the results we want without having a negative effect on the shooter? Okay. That makes sense. So it, um, it was a lot of playing, a lot of, a lot of tweaking and playing around with it. Okay. Another question I have on it is, um, how about like target coverage? Like when you're shooting at long distances, does that, does that pin cover a lot of the target or does it cover less due to the angle? It, it doesn't really have any effect on it. Um, that's more, that'd be more like your, like your pin size, um, more than anything. The only, um, the only, like, I, I guess, you know, the, just the whole scope housing in general, um, you have a very a clear, uh, view of your target. The, the only, I would say like negative effect that we've seen with that angled rail. Um, well, actually a couple, um, you know, our sight tape designing that has been um, way more difficult than we thought it would be because of that angled rail. But we, we are figuring that out. Um, but like, let's say it's so like our scope housing is a uh, 43 millimeter scope housing. But if you switch to, let's say, like a 31 millimeter scope housing, like in an ultra view, but you didn't change your peep size. So you're going from a bigger housing to a smaller housing, but you don't change the peep size. So obviously when you line up your peep with that smaller housing, you're going to have a lot more white space around the housing inside mm -hmm. your peep. So with that scope housing uh, getting closer to your eye, you could start to see like if anything, you're probably going to see more white space on the top of the peep. So then you're going to have to adjust your, your anchor point to compensate for it. So that's the one thing. If, if you are going to switch scope housing sizes on our site, make sure you adjust your peep size accordingly. So if you're going to a smaller housing, go to a smaller peep, you know, just make sure that the peep um, aligns with the scope housing. But as far as downrange, um, you know, the target visual, um, it, it doesn't affect it at all. Okay. Gotcha. Now let's talk about the, like the actual components, you know, like, cause I mentioned it, it almost looks space age, but you know, it's, it, everything is really carefully thought out. And I mean, it's, there's nothing's going to get in there. No. And that's our, our slogan is built on purpose. So everything that went into that site, there's a reason for it. And that reason benefits the shooter. So the, the concept was to try to design the site um, that basically looked like it looked like it was one piece, right? You, there wasn't a lot of hardware pieces. There wasn't any, you know, knobs hanging off the side of it. It was like, how can we make it look like this is literally just sculpted out of one piece of machined aluminum? And a big portion of that um, came from our void dial system and being able to take our in our our working components, so the guts, the gears, everything that makes that site work, and contain them internally. Um, and that's what we did, and we were able to do that because of our void dial. Um, so now there's no exposed gearing, there's no exposed like racking, anything that could really get gummed up. It's all protected internally. 
Um, and again, that kind of, that's where you kind of see that sleek, you know, one kind of one piece look, um, is because nothing's exposed. So any hardware that you see exposed on our site, that's meant to be adjusted. Anything that's not meant to be adjusted is tucked away. You don't have to worry about it. It's protected. So like I said, the whole concept was just neat, clean, and, you know, kind of this, this, this one piece system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it looks a little wild, but then when you actually get it on a boat and start messing around with it, it's super intuitive. Yeah. And I'll be honest, like when I saw the very first prototype, I kind of like, like shrugged my nose and was like, oh, I don't, I don't like it. Cause it, it definitely looks different and it, it has kind of a, a bulky look to it. But if you actually like, if you measured the width and you started like, like measuring out like parts of it, it's no different than any other site out there. It's just, it looks clean and Mm -hmm. everything is contained. And, uh, it's, it's kind of funny how, you know, as consumers, we've gotten so used to like one look of a product. And then when all of a sudden you see something that's totally different and is better, you almost like, like, ah, I don't, yeah, that looks weird. But every person that's like picked it up and looked at it, they're like, oh, this is way lighter than I thought it was going to be, which I take as a compliment because that, in my opinion, I'm hearing like the site looks really durable because it looks like one piece, but yet we're able to shave a ton of weight because of having everything inside. So we're kind of accomplishing a bunch of different things. And like I said, our our slogan is built on purpose. Like, Mm -hmm. again, everything that went into that site, there was a reason for it. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if this is necessarily a, a purpose or a reason, but you can customize the heck out of it. And that, that, and I guess that purpose is aesthetic, but it, it, it looks cool. Well, and, <laughs> but I mean, that's, you know, that's been a trend for, you know, a long time. And, um, we want, you know, that was one thing again, that hadn't been done before. Um, yeah, sure. You can, you know, there's been sites where you can customize like little things here and there, but you know, with the popularity of, uh, like bows going to like an OD green, a granite black, all these different colors, there's no accessories to match it. And, you know, I'm not this way. Like I'm the most boring, um, like my bows are black. Like I just like black and black strings. I don't really care. Um, they all look like crap at the end of the year anyways. So for me to like try to build out this beautiful bow, is just a waste of time. But a lot of people like doing that. And so when we were building the site, we wanted that to be a part of it. Like, um, you know, you being able to build the site the way you want it, right? So you want a granite or a, a smoke frame with a red dial, right? And then you're like, out of all your buddies, you're the only one that has that, right? So there's kind of like that, like you feel kind of like an elitist, you know, like I this is my site and it's mine only, right? So... Um, being able to do that was, was a big part of designing the site. So we use, um, Cerakote, which allows us to get that customization, um, piece, but also while providing like the most weatherproof, durable coating on a site. So you can literally beat the crap out of these things and you don't have to worry about it rusting or locking up on you, um, or anything like that. So like I said, you know, I can't take credit we have two great engineers and 
you know, but collectively as a team, I mean, we tried to literally think of everything that we put our equipment through and then how can we build like a very cool, but very functioning site, you know, to go along with all those, all those different parts. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then one other main unique characteristic we haven't touched on is that people will see immediately is when, you know, you pull back your bow, you're looking through that peep and it looks a little different than everything else. It's a lot different than everything else. Yeah. Um, so the first thing, you know, when you do that, you'll see that we moved our level from the bottom to the top. So we call that top level technology. Um, and again, it was one of those things, um, I remember like specifically when we were, cause, cause we, when we were designing the site, we took it in pieces, right? Like, so we took the middle part with the guts and all that stuff and made sure that worked. And then we're like, all right, what's our dovetail going to look like? And then what's our scope housing going to look like? And, um, we were, we knew we wanted to do a, to, to, to start with, we knew we wanted to do a single post. Um, but then we wanted to do a dual pin on that single post to try to, you know, satisfy the single pin shooters, but then also try to satisfy some of the multiple pin shooters and, you know, you know, scratch that itch, um, without actually having a full three and five pin, um, option, which we will have later on. But, um, you know, again, just looking at what was available out there, like most two pins on a single post are like a 20 and 30 yardage gap. And with the efficiency of bows nowadays, like that's kind of, that's not really that efficient because you could literally shoot 20 and 30 with one pin. Yeah. I mean, if, if I'm, I got my pin at 20 and one and a deer comes through at 30, like I know I can just aim a little high. That doesn't make a huge and difference. Really not even, I mean, it's depending on your setup, like you could probably aim right on and still be, you know, within a three inch, you know, uh, difference, which is still a kill shot. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, we wanted to try to provide like, how do we, how do we provide a system where you can cover the most range without, without having to adjust your site? Because that, that is the one, like that's what most people are afraid of when switching to a movable site is, okay, what if like an animal comes in at one distance and then something happens and now it goes to a different distance? Do I have to let down and readjust my site? Um, now you don't have to worry about that. So we, we wanted to try to space those pins out to get you the most coverage without having to adjust your site. So we had to, so we wanted to move our second indicator or our second yardage pin further down on the, uh, on the pin. But when you did that, you ran out of room because of the level, um, being on the bottom. And that was when we we're like, why does everybody put their level on the bottom? And I was like, I don't get it because I also noticed again from being at archer shoots and stuff and working with people, um, sighting in their, their bows, a lot of people do not look at their level, like a lot of people. And that's a huge mistake. Like your level is everything. And I got to thinking, I was like, why is it that people don't use their level? Is it that they just don't understand what it's there for? But then I got to thinking, I'm like, it's in a really bad spot. Like, because in order to look at your level, you have to take your eye off the target and look at the bottom of your scope housing. And anybody that's like, you know, shot trap or shoots handguns, you know, wherever your eyes look, that's where your hands follow. So if you take your eyes off the target and you look down, where are your hands going to go? They're going to go down. You're going right? to drop. And then you have to bring your pin back up, which a lot of people can't do, you know? So um, we were like, well, what if we put the level in the top? 
And then I remember when I said that our one engineer looked at me like, like you stupid idiot. Like, why would you do that? I'm like, well, why wouldn't you? And he literally, he said, nobody else does it. I'm like, I know, but why? Like, why, why does nobody else done it? Like it's been done that way for, I mean, centuries, right? Since, since the first, since site. the first bubble. Yeah. level. <laughs> so we, we started playing with it and, um, you know, right away we're like, well, that would solve our, you know, our, 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 our space on the pin. Um, you know, we could drop that, that second pin down on the post that would give us, you know, that, that greater yardage variance. And I said, um, and then we're like, and, and that would put the level right in your peripheral view, view as you're aiming. So as you're aiming at the target, you're staring right past the level and we're, and we're like, okay, well, let's try it. And, uh, you know, sure enough, it, it works. <laughs> so, so how, how do the two pins work exactly? Like say your top pins at 30, what's the bottom at? It's going to, it's going to be, it's going to depend. Um, your primary aiming pin is going to be your top green pin. So that's what you're going to shoot the most. But then you have that second pin located lower on the post as like a backup. So let's say your, your top pin is going to be 20. Um, the bottom pin is not adjustable. It is fixed. So you do have to shoot to figure out what that is. But once you know what it is, um, we provide a secondary yardage indicator needle that is adjustable. So you can set that for whatever that bottom pin is. So let's say it's 52 yards. So now you can cover from 20 to 52 yards without ever having to adjust your sight. If you do adjust your dial, you still know what those two pins at. So let's say you adjust your dial to 30. So your top pin is going to be 30 now. Now your bottom pin is going to be like 70, 80 yards, depending on your tape. So you're always covering like this big yardage gap um, by having those two pins. Okay, so you can set that bottom to be whatever it's gonna difference. Be, it's going to be want. whatever it is. Um, so like your bottom pin may be 55 and my bottom pin may be 47. It's just, it depends on our, on our setups, you know, your draw length, your arrow, your shooting, all that stuff. Um, but once you figure out what it is, you can mark it. And then, like I said, you'll always know what your two, what your two pins are set up. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So like yesterday on the range, uh, one of the shooters, um, his was 20 and 60 was his bottom pin. So now he can cover 20 to 60 yards without ever having to touch his sight. So it's kind of, I mean, it's a very efficient system, um, especially for hunting scenarios in the heat of the moment. Um, you know, you don't always have time to adjust your sight. You got to make quick on the fly decisions, mm -hmm. but now you're, yeah, you're on the rut that buck's going through your lane, you know, you got to make that decision. Yeah. yeah. Um, so now you have two aiming points to, to help, you know, help make the shot without having to be like, okay, he's at, you know, 47, do I want to gap my 40 and 50 pin? Do I want to adjust my sight? You just know, okay, he's at 47. I can either hang aim high with my 20 or lame low with my bottom pin. Mm -hmm. So nice. Do you ever, do you have any specific like hunting instances or stories that, that made you create these ideas? A lot. Um, you know, the, I wouldn't say there was like one specific, I think it's just a, a cumulative between, you know, the, th the three of us that are part of dialed plus then our two engineers. So the five of us that are part of dialed, um, just taking a lot of experience that we all have both in the industry and hunting, but then also probably more so just feedback. Um, and, 
you know, my background being in the industry as well as other members of our team and just really just listening, you know, and kind of filing all that information away and, you know, kind of saving it for a rainy day. And it's like, well, here's the rainy day to use that. Um, but like, for example, the tool pin thing, like I actually can't remember the last time I've actually adjusted my site um, in a hunting scenario. I used to always leave my single pin set at 40 and then I would just aim high or low. And I can't remember the last animal I killed where I actually adjusted my site and I could do it because I practiced that. But now having that stub XR pin or that second pin, it makes all that a lot easier. Um, and like, you know, the top level technology, just, you know, paying attention to what people do um, when you watch them shoot and asking like, you know, why don't you look at your level? Um, so really it, it, it just probably most of our designing time was just filing, filing back through like the years of experiences and feedback from people and then asking like, why is it nobody does that? You know? So, um, like I said, I don't think I, I can't, or at least right now think of like, like we did this because of this one time, it's just a bunch of those times that have just accumulated, mm -hmm. you know, accumulated over the years. Nice. So, so like I said, there, there was a lot of thought that went into the Arxos, like a lot of thought. Oh, absolutely. So what's your, what's your favorite animal to hunt? Uh, I just got asked this the other day and I, I don't even know if I want to say it cause everybody's going to be like, are you serious? But, um, obviously, you know, growing up in Wisconsin, you know, white tails will always be like my thing, even though. I have not killed a lot of really big whitetails. Like I've killed some decent ones and I wouldn't say I am a good whitetail hunter. Um, I enjoy it. It's, you know, I enjoy the guys that I hunt with, but I would say my favorite, like if somebody like, you know, gave me an ultimatum and like, you can only hunt one animal for the rest of your life. What would it be at animals that I've actually hunted? Not, you know, your, your number one dream hunt. I would probably say antelope. Antelope, huh? That's that's one animal I have yet to chase, and I'm just kicking myself for it. Why why is it the antelope? I just think they are the coolest freaking things. I mean, they are they're truly built to survive. Like you look at the breakdown of their you know anatomy. I mean, they're faster than hell. They can see better. I mean, they have twelve power visions with three hundred degree viewing. I mean, they're a very. It's almost like trying to kill a turkey with a bow, except. Um, you know, it, I, I would put it that way. It's kind of like killing a turkey with a bow, but, you know, they run 60 miles an hour <laughs> yeah. um, because they can see everything. Um, and they just, they are just such cool animals and they taste phenomenal. Um, I would trade an antelope backstrap. I would trade an elk backstrap for an antelope backstrap any day. Yeah, you'd have to get a few antelope back because there's a little bit of a size difference. You're probably there, talking but. Like, like three antelope <laughs> to one elk backstrap, but I don't. I just think they're freaking cool animals. Um, you know, every time I see one, I just they and they're kind of like outside of like the bison. They're kind of the icon of the West. You mm -hmm. know, like you yeah. see them everywhere. So, you know, when you're driving through, you know, the Western states, you're like, oh look, more antelope. Oh look, more antelope. But then when you get to see them in person. They're just cool. Yeah, I, I they know. are a cool looking animal. And, you know, people see them a lot. Usually you see them when you're driving down the interstate. But right. when you stop that vehicle, then it's a different game. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, they're just there's just something about them I just really dig. And mm -hmm. uh, hunting them, you can hunt them so many different ways, too. You know, you can spot and stalk. 
sit in ground blinds over water holes. Um, my personal favorite is the old, you know, drive-by method. Um, but uh, it's, yeah, I don't know. They're just cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I want to hunt, like a lot of stuff I want to hunt, but, you know, I'm a broke business owner right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. What's a, what's a really effective way to, to kill an antelope? Like I said, there's a bunch of different ways. I mean, um, probably the most effective is, you know, ground blind over water. Um, cause you know, most States open up middle of August, so it's still hotter than hell out. And, uh, antelope only move during the day cause they have no night vision. So they can't see at night. So they, they're not nocturnal. Um, you know, they bed down all night where most other animals are the exact opposite. Yeah. Right? You're they, telling me when I get super frustrated with white tail, go hunt an antelope. hundred <laughs> percent. And, nice. well, and that's the beauty of antelope too, is their seasons open up so much earlier. So it's a great way to kick off your year and, and get it going. Um, but yeah, ground blinds probably like that's your best odds. It's just, I'm. I'm like a little kid, like in a ground blind, I can't sit still. Like if you put me in a ground blind in middle of August and expect me to sit there like 12 hours a day in like a hundred degree heat, you're going to find me laying on the ground in my gym shorts and flip flops watching Netflix or something. <laughs> like I just can't sit there and cause I mean, it's not like they, you know, but the, the other crazy thing about antelope is you like you're staring out into this, this wide, like open, like you can see for miles and you're like, there's not a damn thing out there. There's not an antelope within miles and you'll scan and all of a sudden there's an antelope. Like they just pop up out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're just, they're just crazy animals, but, um, spot and stocks, a lot of fun. It's just your, your odds are very low because you're literally trying to hunt an animal that, like I said, has 12 power vision, you know, can see 300 degrees. Um, and once they take off, you're not catching up to them. Yeah, um, no way. Do you like to utilize decoys in those situations? I have. Yeah, especially during the rut. That can definitely be an effective way. But again, it's just a lot has to go right. But um, it, 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 it can be a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you've given me the itch to try you speed goats. You should. It it's, needs to happen. And, and, it's, and it's a, you know, it, it's not a very grueling hunt other than the fact that you may be spending 12 hours in a oven, but, uh, and it's pretty economical, you know, it's a hunt that you could do every year. Um, and like I said, it's a great way to start the season, you know, get, you've been sitting all winter long and spring and, you know, you hunt some turkeys, but it's like that first big game animal that you can, you can chase. And like I said, they, they taste phenomenal. I had a very poor attitude going into my first antelope hunt because I'd heard so many people say how they taste like crap. They're so sagey. And that may be the case. I've never experienced that. Um, I love antelope meat. I think it's, I think it's, like I said, I would trade a elk backstrap for an antelope backstrap any day. Mm, Very cool. I'm thinking you'd probably get a few takers on that too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So how about a bucket list hunt? What's an, what's an animal high on your list? Oh man, I got that list. is very long. Um, I've been fortunate, you know, I've been in the industry since I was very young, so I've got to do a lot of cool things. Um, you know, again, going back to the scenario, like if I, you know, I wasn't going to make it through the year and they're like, you can go on any hunt you want to before you die. I would probably pick like a sheep of some sort, sheep or a mountain goat. Um, mainly just because of the, uh, 
the challenge of the hunt and it's just like like the adventure side of it you know to me sheep are like they're the king of the world you know they live at like fourteen thousand feet and they're the king of the mountain just looking down on everybody mm-hmm. and you know they live kind of these, these lives of of solitude so the only way to get them is to go to them right and i just think it'd be i just think it'd be like the most epic adventure um you know i've hunted moose in alaska i've hunted elk i've been to africa um all awesome experiences but i just i like that adventure you know and and stuff so but whether it'll happen or not who knows maybe someday but that would that would probably be my number one but honestly i'd probably take just about anything too i just like hunting yeah it's just fun to get out there it doesn't really matter what you're chasing as long as you're out there chasing them and that's that's just it and again i'm kind of more about like the adventure than anything like i don't really care if i kill anything i mean i love the meat and you know the feeling of success but to me it's just all about like the experience and in the adventure um but then i say that i'm like there are also times where i'm like i just want to kill something you know like, <laughs> yeah. like hell with the you, adventure you spend like, enough days out there you you know people get that point for yeah, sure yeah it's like you you get to the point where like i'm just i'm gonna shoot the first thing i see just because i'm ready to be done yeah you know, so. i was i was actually like that with turkey this spring you know i i had it in my head like I wanted to film my experience. I wanted to shoot one with a decap broadhead because that's about the only way that I haven't killed a turkey so mm-hmm. far. And I just, I spent a whole bunch of hunts trying to do that and I failed miserably. And then I was finally like, nope, I'm done. I grabbed a shotgun and a Reaper decoy and my next hunt was done in five minutes. That's, <laughs> that's the way it should be done. Um, I actually, this spring, I only had two days to hunt and it was the first turkey I ever shot with a bow. And I was with a buddy of mine and we pulled off a double on both of our bows in Wisconsin, which you see people do it, but like, I've, I don't know anybody that has done it. So it was, it was pretty exciting for us. And it was like, like the most epic turkey hunt ever, but then it turned into the most awful, like frustrating hunt because we both hit our birds and we, we both thought they were hit well. And we found his bird about 600 yards away in the middle of a cornfield, never found mine. And from that morning, I was like, I will never bow hunt turkeys ever again. I'm going to blow their heads off with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. So, Turkey is literally the only animal that I would rather hunt with a gun than with a bow. They they are made to be shot in the face with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. I agree with 100%. that 100%. Yep. It's <laughs> the best way to take out like a lot of your pent up like aggression, like, especially with us being you know in the Midwest and it's been just a brutal, this winter was awful. Yes. So like you have a lot of pent up like anger and like hostility (laughs) and you know trying to like it's cool shooting stuff with a bow but you know rocking one in the face with a shotgun is it's very satisfying Mm -hmm. you you said that so well (laughs) I, i i tell people that that like don't enjoy hunting very much and they look at me like I don't think I want to run into this guy in a dark alley but you know you're right like the people that hunt they get it yeah Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. If you've ever turkey hunted, you get it a hundred percent. Love it. Yeah. All right. Well, Scott, thank you so much for your Absolutely. time. You know, thank you for telling us all about your new site. You know, if you want to check that out, you know, head to shields, shields.com or, you know, learn all about it on, on the dialed website. We'll, uh, we'll link all that stuff in the description of this podcast. So Scott, thanks again. And, thank you know, you. best of luck with your seasons and with, uh, with your new company. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Stay tuned for future segments and visit our social media pages, Shields Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram for daily updates.